Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hello and welcome to Millennial Property with John Pigeon. Uh, today I've got Joel Armbruster on the, the call. He's uh, I'm actually doing a clarity call with him. So for first time listeners, uh, I do clarity calls pretty frequently with clients or, or people that reach out that need some roadblocks overcome so they can go forward with some clarity. That's the word for it. So if you get to the end of this and think, yeah, I think I need something um, in my life that's not emotional, third party, independent, then feel free to reach out. The link is in the show notes. But without further ado, let's get into it. Joel, welcome. Thanks, John. Good to be here. Look, thanks for reaching out. You had quite a complex question in the in the Facebook group, that is. So for those who aren't on Facebook, you'll be able to listen to this today. But yeah, tell me a bit about your background and, and for the listener's sake, talk to me about what your roadblock is today. Okie dokie. So our roadblock is, so we've sort of been, well, I've been sort of more so involved than my wife for the past few years trying to sort of get our foundation sorted with the help of you guys through both my millennial money um, podcast the property the facebook group all that sort of stuff um and it's been great it sort of really got us on track neither my wife or myself had any sort of financial well, i guess foundations when we were younger we made the few or numerous silly mistakes of personal loans um car debt things like that so We've sort of been working quite hard to try and clear all that up, which we have now. So we've got our um, emergency fund built up, no consumer debt, and we're sort of just wanting to sort of look for that next big rock in our life, which will hopefully be our house. However, something that threw a bit of a roadblock in the way was my daughter, who's almost two, when she was born, she had some medical complications, which required us to all of a sudden relocate to within 40Ks of... Queensland Children's Hospital just with her requirements. So that was sort of a all of a sudden not on the radar. We were living up in a rural town north of Sunny Coast, Gympie. Um, we'd sort of both born and bred there, um, thought we'd be there forever, and then all of a sudden we're down in Brisbane. So my parents were sort of our saviors well and truly. They've moved heaven and earth for us, so they sold their property up there and the, the rental property we were in at the time purchased a place down here for us and we're currently sort of boarding with them down here and I guess our sort of our questions mainly base around my daughter's medical condition we're sort of because there's no sort of set time frame of when we will be able to move away we're predicting approximately three to four years and we'd love to get it back up sort of towards the Sunshine Coast way where we're from we love that area and but our sort of our I guess our conundrum is what do we do in regards to as we don't know a time frame and we've sort of 
umming and ahhing about all the sort of the first homeowner incentives. Do we look at sort of foregoing that and looking to try and get into our first property as an investment property to sort of, and then potentially live in that? Or do we sort of look for something else that's further afield that we're just rent out and don't ever live in? It was just sort of just down that path. And then I guess around saving a deposit, like at the moment we are sort of building a bit of a nest egg to put towards it, but just the the most practical way about going about that as well. So all sort of just around next steps and the uncertainty of it all. I'm just trying to sort of get a bit of clarity on what our goal might be and the best way to sort of go about getting towards it. Sure, gotcha. So first of all, sorry to hear about your daughter's medical condition and, and that must have rocked your lives when it's, uh, yeah, obviously first child and, and uh, all the excitement going on in your life. So thoughts going out to you from that point of view. So that brought you down to Brisbane. I'll go through your financial situation and 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 for the listeners there's no there's nothing held back here. There's nothing that Joel doesn't want to share. So uh, quite an open guy which is much appreciated. So we'll go through that and then we'll um and then we'll talk to the roadblocks. So at the moment, uh, you're, you're renting. It's costing you four hundred dollars a week, which is is quite fortunate given um, what it would normally cost to to rent in Brisbane. Um, we're on about a hundred and fifty k combined income with with you and your wife Naomi. You've been in the industries quite quite a while, so there's been some consistency there. That's awesome. Not really too much overtime or bonuses going on, so that it is what it is with the gross income. We've got about twenty grand in savings. Uh, we've got a combined super balance of around one hundred and thirty-five. We've got some ETFs worth about five k, and and obviously the the standard car and home contents um, values there with no debts associated to them. We've got a 33k combined help debt from from your previous studies. The good news is we're saving 2,800 a month between you. So that that's awesome that you've got a a figure on that that you can just dial away and and, and direct debit each each month into a, a savings account. So well done from that point of view. Your short-term goals is to is to buy your first home um, or a hybrid version of that. Upsize the family car if we're having another kid. So that tells me that you're you're wanting to to grow the family a little bit. So that there's a, a cost associated there, and obviously have some savings and investments for your children' future. So you're thinking about that next generation, which is which is awesome. The longer term goals, Joel, you're wanting to be living in your forever home, which is a really common goal for people longer term, um, have a solid investment portfolio, which may be a combination of property and shares and extra com- contributions into super. So that's basically a an overview of your situation. Now, tell me what, how young are you both at the moment? Uh, I'm 32 and my wife is 31. And I, I don't mean to ask that just to pry and be interested in how old you are. I, I, <laughs> there's a method to that and that's the simple fact that most people want to, uh, I suppose, well, the government tells us that we should be retiring at 65, 67, et cetera. So straight away I say, right, that's 35-odd years for you in the workforce and 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 uh, hopefully we're enjoying what we're doing, trading our time for money. Can we see ourselves doing that? For, for another 35 years might be a different conversation. We won't expand on that too much, but generally I'd be just saying, well, if we're not enjoying it, if it's not a six or a seven out of 10 or above, 
uh, we we want to try and change that over the journey because that's a long time to to not enjoy what we're doing. But some of us want to get it done earlier and and maybe have some flexibility and choice in the workplace before we reach that government age of uh, of sixty seven, and and might be. 55 or 60 where we start to go part-time. So it's really just, it's important to think about the longer term before we come back to, well, what are we going to do in the next five minutes or five years? So knowing that for you, there's about 35 odd years before the government says you've either got enough money to stand on your own two feet or hopefully we've got enough in the in the pension pool which I think is about 22 grand a year now which is not that exciting um, to live off at at that age of, uh, of 67. Let me run through word for word what you've written here and then we'll unpack it. So unsure of time frame we would be able to buy our first home due to your child's medical requirements currently needing to be in Brisbane, limited to a 40k radius restriction from Brisbane's Children's Hospital. Unlikely we can move away for a minimum of three to four years, which you've mentioned due to the said medical condition. So long term, wanting to live somewhere near the sunny coast, as you mentioned, wide bay area, both originally from there, have always rented privately off family and now currently paying for an a week board with parents helping us save for our first home. That's awesome of them. Um, this is ongoing, no rush to move anytime in the foreseeable future. So I take that part, Joel, and say, well, that's magnificent. That gives you peace of mind that you uh, don't have to to move on. You, your landlord's not going to kick you out and, and you can just get on with A, looking after your daughter and, and concentrating your energies on that as well as saving for that first home. Yeah. Yeah, we're very fortunate in that front and yeah, won't be able to pay them back, but we very much appreciate it. When you say you want to long-term live near the Sunshine Coast slash wide Bay Area, what do we want to live in and what's it going to cost us in the area that we would like to live in? Because really it's about location and dwelling type are really the two things that we need to consider when we're buying a home. Yeah, so again, as we've always sort of grown up, in the rural sort of area, we're more used to the not sort of acreage as such, but a, a decent size yard where you're not sort of boxed in with your neighbours. And I know where even when we've relocated to Brisbane at the moment, we're very fortunate in that front where it's a decent size yard. So that's that's sort of the goal. So enough room to kick a ball around in the backyard, things like that. Currently, sort of the areas we've been looking at, so where we've originally from, so Gympie, it um there's some Nice homes going for sort of 550 plus mark. We'd sort of be looking at or what we'd be happy to live in for a, a few years at this stage. Um, longer term, yes, the dream home is obviously sort of a bit bigger, more space, a little probably a bit more out of town, so it's a bit more rural. But, yeah, just something sort of still like a three, four-bedroom, decent-sized yard, you're not on top of your neighbours. That would be the, the goal, the dream at this stage. Sure. Okay. So when we say three bedroom minimum in Gympie, everyone's uh, example of good size land is different. I grew up on a thousand acres, so I think that's that's a great size. Yeah. Uh, others that are brought up in the city, they think four hundred square meters is a large uh, quantity of land. So what what's minimum to you? Do you think? I guess for the first house, as we sort of looking at it as a bit of a stepping stone, like we're not. We don't want to sort of overextend ourselves on our very first commitment. We want to still be able to sort of have lifestyle allowance in there. So 
I couldn't even give a square meter off the top of my head. Sorry, John. Like uh, maybe again enough to kick a ball around in the backyard, not not sort of just like a strip of grass, anything like that. We'd probably be happy with for a few years until we were in a position to sort of look at moving uh, upgrading again. Okay, so I've I've answered it for you. I've gone minimum three bedroom, five hundred square meters minimum of land. That's enough to kick a ball. So in Gympie itself, there's, there's at the minute there's two hundred and ninety results uh, or two hundred and ninety properties uh, on the market. Now, if we put those properties under offer under contract, that brings it back to two forty four. So it tells us, and and just for everyone's reference, that gives us an indication of the heat of the market up there when. We we're looking and searching ourselves. So roughly, no mathematician here, but that's over 20% of the uh, of the whole total market for three-bedroom houses and above, over 500 squares, is under contract at any one time. So property's moving, but there are, there are plenty of options over there. And, and when we look at the lowest price to pay for something like that, we would be looking at around that sort of four fifty to five hundred k mark. Is that something that you had in mind? Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's sort of the the range we're looking at, the price range, the sort of the what we're expecting to sort of get for that sort of money. And yeah, I think we'd be quite happy as we we've lived in the area before. We know we've got again because when we did have to relocate, we sort of left friends, family, and everything. So whenever we're up there, it feels like home. So that would be yeah, ideal. I think. Okay, awesome. So that's option one is to is to basically, or not option one, but that that's the long term aim is to get ourselves a family home back to where we were and 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 back to our roots and and just be around family and friends in the in the next sort of four to five years. Uh, not not nothing in the next twelve months, obviously because of conditions out of your control. But that's the, that's the plan. So the questions that you've asked, as we're unsure when we'll be able to purchase, wondering what our best line of attack would be, struggling to work out if any of the following has significant advantages slash disadvantages. Currently, our house deposit is spread across savings account and ETFs. So we've got a total of about 10 grand, haven't we? Um, Currently, yes. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned before that there's 19K in savings. However, there's about eight or nine of that that is emergency funds, holiday funds, gifts funds, et cetera. You've separated that quite well. And at the minute, you've got a, a, a total of about 10 grand that's that's there for a pure house deposit as such. So it's it's smart that you've got your emergency funds and your buffers taken care of in, your, in, in life, especially in your, your situation. So that's great. So o- option one is save as much as possible into a high interest savings account until eventually able to purchase or move for four plus years away. Option two is to continue to invest into ETFs, uh, et cetera, and save with a mixed approach, more so doing this as we're fairly new to investing and for peace of mind if the market crashes and when we're ready to purchase, all our eggs aren't in one basket. And that's an important consideration given that it's sort of four to five years away. So we still see that as short term. It's not like 10, 15 years. That's a longer term thing where it can be potentially more speculative depending on our risk profile. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk to that in a moment. Option three is purely invest all current and future house deposit savings, uh, stop the 1K invest and the 1K save strategy. So when we say invest, what's your definition of invest, Joel? 
So ideally, when I, when we started investing, it was for the longer term. So seven plus years, hopefully not pull any, or if we had to pull some out towards a house, but at least leave some in there and just keep growing that nest egg long term. So as in try not to touch it until retirement and sort of if we can retire early. However, with our circumstances changing, although it was still on the sort of the five-year horizon, we were still sort of dabbling in that. But like you say, it's it's definitely not long-term. So that's when I sort of thought, look, with the sort of the risks involved, are we better off at looking at other options? Mm, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, option four is first-home super saver scheme. Understand we could both sell or sacrifice up to 15K per year, up to 50K each, thinking this may be the best tax-effective option. Unsure if help debts will impact this. Okay, so talking to our mortgage broker about that and just seeing what the implications are from, from a, 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 a help debt point of view from, from lending, but also understanding there that it's also it's a little bit like saving into a separate account it's it's set and forget it's it's put away for a rainy day type funds and and we know that hopefully it's it's helping it's it's going to perform for us but also the government are helping us out a little bit there so that's a good option there option 5 is forgo any first home in seems and aim to purchase an investment property in the area we eventually wish to live in sunshine coast area and eventually move into this house uh, we'll go back to that one. Option six is forego any first home incentives and aim to purchase an investment property in a more opportunistic area, high rental growth and high rental yield area, anywhere in Australia, and then later sell this, putting the funds towards a first home. I love the idea of investing. And, and I think people have listened to me long enough, like a massive passion for investing and using the bank's money, okay? Option six, however... I don't like for your situation. And I'm going to rule that out straight away. Just from the point of view of you want some certainty in your life because of what's going on in your life. And and when you move back to Gympie in five years' time, you would like a home to live in. That's your number one goal. So I think we should be pulling out all stops to be able to go and do that in the desired time frame. If we go and buy an investment property now anywhere around the country, sure, we might get a better outcome from a growth point of view, but that's not guaranteed. However, when five years comes around and we've potentially got some equity in the property and the property's grown as we as we would like, we then have to A, sell the property or B, get the equity out. Now, if we're, if we're choosing option B, we take the equity out. We're then basically saying we're, we're going to lend 100 or 102% of the purchase price with stamp duty because we're getting equity out of that property. Because ideally, we want that property, that first property to, to, to do its thing over the next 10 to 15 years, not put pressure on it to perform in the next three to five years, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, if you said to me, John, we're going to buy this investment property and then we're going to save enough funds to buy in Gympie in five years' time as well, that's a different conversation. But from where I'm standing or sitting today, we, we won't have the option to do both. It'll be one or the other. So I'm, that's why I'm, I'm saying it's a no-go for option six. No, that, that's more than fair. And it was sort of just when I started listing options, I sort of just it was more of get out of the brain on the paper. So that's, that's more than fair enough. 
what also would be happening then if you did that would would be you foregoing any first homeowner contribute uh, first homeowner incentive. So the the first home super saver scheme, the the stamp duty concessions uh, at that price at four fifty to five hundred k. I believe you're still eligible for zero stamp duty in in Queensland. So you'd forgo all that if you bought that investment property. So whilst we don't go and buy just purely because of uh, of government incentives and and all these things, they are a byproduct and they need to be taken into consideration. So that also I would rule out option five as well, which is uh, forego any incentives and purchase an investment property in the Sunshine Coast area for two reasons. One, because of the first homeowner incentives, but two is if we were going to buy an investment property in the Sunshine Coast area but not live in it, again, we need to come up with the cash funds for that Gympie property. We might get better results in another area within the Sunshine Coast, but that, again, that's not guaranteed. If you said to me, look, John, I'm going to buy in Gympie where I want to live and it's a house that I'm going to move into in three years or four years' time, absolutely, that's a different conversation. So that rules out the the option five and option six. So that leaves basically four options. Now, when we look at the remaining options, a lot of it comes down to risk profile. So from a, on a scale of one to 10, if, if one is I'm scared to jump out of bed in the morning for, through fear of breaking my leg versus 10, I'll take on the world and, and go high speculative, high risk, high return, where are you sitting on that scale, Joe? Probably for something that we're sort of like such a big item, we'd probably be a bit more conservative than we knew, normally would be. However, we're probably sitting around a six, I'd say, in, in regards to this. Six out of ten. Yeah, okay. So that's a pass mark. That's that's better than my English results at, at school, right? So that that's great. That allows us to think outside the square a little bit and, and be strategic in what we we're going to do as long as, and, and I rate a six as if I've got some knowledge and education around a particular product or subject or topic, then I'm okay to proceed. Whereas a, a, a four out of 10 is no matter how much you educate me, I'm, I'm a no-go because I think that's, that's too risky. Yeah, yeah. All right. A fair bit covered there in that initial part of it. We've ruled out option five and option six. We've got four options left. We know Joel's risk profile. After the break, we're going to come back and shortlist it again to then find this one option that we can proceed forward with confidence. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So, Joel, I asked about your risk profile. Let's bring Naomi into the picture who, who, who unfortunately can't be here today, but is she on a similar page? If if we looked at all six options, which one would be her preference and what is her risk profile, do you think? Yeah. And again, apologies, she, she couldn't be here. Um, but we've sort of, I guess, grown our knowledge and sort of, I guess, our risk profile sort of increased together along this journey of sort of, I guess, me banging on in her ear about sort of everything that I'm sort of been learning and sort of taking a, quite an interest in and sort of like that was our first steps in dabbling in like the investing a bit, ETFs, things like that. So starting off with that and starting off in smaller amounts to sort of see sort of the turbulence and things like that, it has sort of helped both of our risk profiles. And like you say, I think a lot of it comes back to the more sort of informed you are on a subject and the more sort of you, you feel at peace with it. So I think we'd be very similar in that front. And she's, as much as I try to involve her, she's more sort of like, okay, look, you take the reins. I trust you know what you're doing. Or you'll sort of, again, what we're doing now, bounce off uh, uh, someone who does know in the, a sounding board before we make any sort of rash decisions. So I'd say she'd sit in a similar sort of risk profile as myself at this stage. Cool. Okay. Yep. So she's got some faith and trust in you, Joe. You haven't buggered it up yet. So you, you're still in the, in the driver's Not seat yet. is what I'm hearing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's go to you then. If you were looking at those four options left, out of all six options, which one was your gut feel going in coming into this conversation? My gut feeling was sort of towards the super saver scheme. I, I just I don't know enough about it at this point. I've got to do a lot more research and you know into it and sort of the ins and outs. And that was sort of my understanding that it like. Look, it's not the be all and end all, but it may just help with our sort of deposit. So leaning towards that and then purchasing a first home to live in to sort of make the most of all the sort of first home incentives and things, that's where my gut was telling me. However, the time frame, I guess, was what was sort of throwing me off and the unknown about it was, well, all right, what if we put all that in there and it sits there? I guess it's not the end of the world. It's still sitting there if we don't buy within the time frame we're hoping for, but the option of potentially buying somewhere and you'd be too, that we rent out that we'd be happy to live in once we are able to move, that was sort of what I was turning from. from. Yeah, okay. So for those who don't know much about the First Home Super Saver Scheme, you can, and we'll put a link in the show notes, you can go to the ATO website uh, and just type in First Home Super Saver Scheme and that there's everything there about it. But you touch on a good point because one of the requirements if you're going to go ahead with it is you need to occupy the premises you buy as 
as soon as possible, right? You need to occupy it for at least six months within the first 12 months you own it um, after it's practical to move into. So, yeah, that basically rules out the investment side of things unless you are going to live in it within the first six months. Yeah, and that's that's the hard part about not being able to say, yeah, all right, we could drop everything and manage to do that because, yeah, we just can't at this point. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think when we look at the list of priorities, because life's all about priorities, right? So we, we put a, a heading at the top of the, the page called priorities and number one for you undoubtedly is your, your daughter's uh, care and, and support, right? That, that comes before any house, investment property, super, wealth, whatever. Like money's actually secondary in this conversation. So we know for the next three to four years that, that uh, that's a priority and we can't go and jeopardise that just for the sake of, uh, of getting some incentive. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So – you're right in the in the contributions amount of the, the 15k voluntary contributions maximum, but there, there are some I suppose some criteria that everyone needs to understand. Obviously, that the home must be located in Australia. It can't be can't be in Bali or Fiji. Now, you need to understand that the you do things in order, right? It, it takes between 15, they reckon, 15 to 20 days to, to receive your money once you request it, okay? And it needs to basically re- be requested once you've signed the property contract, okay? So you must make a determination before you sign any property contract. So that that's the key. And really making sure that we've got a good mortgage broker in your corner to navigate the way through that because if they haven't had any experience in it, it can all go belly up and I have heard experiences of that happening. Yeah, I did read a few horror stories myself about um, signing a contract before sort of requesting it and things just going pear-shaped. So that's sort of where I had my reservations and I did have to sort of look into it a lot more if we decided to go that route. Have you got a, a good mortgage broker in your corner, Joel? We haven't. We've, we've sort of, for the pup in the past three, four years, we've been sort of focused on bustling down and sorting out our personal finances and sort of getting to a position where we'd like to sort of look at going that next step. So we haven't looked at sort of getting any sort of anyone in our corner other than I touched base with um, Cara from Sufficient Funds and I'm planning on doing the um, defining sufficient session with them just to sort of get what we can out of that. And I've touched base with Sky Wealth, who's currently putting together a um, income protection for us. So no, no mortgage broker. Awesome. There you go. So some great recommendations already with those those two teams on your side and in your corner. But yeah, from a mortgage broker point of view, I think it's early days yet. We've we've got, as I said, ten grand worth of savings there. We're we're saving, and I'll reverse engineer this process um, in a moment. But we're saving two thousand eight hundred per month. On the on the knocker on the dollar, which is great. I love it when I see people saving a, an exact amount, not circa or not roughly or not should be. It's it's actually an amount, which is fantastic. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's credit to the uh, the Oakling James Benny Bland. He's helped us sort of yeah get everything sorted. <laughs> there you go. Gee, we're, we're plugging some things today. We've got Sky Wealth, Sufficient Funds, Glenn's free spending plan. Now it's amazing. Well done. Okay, so. The minute in your mind, option four is the leader because of the first home super saver scheme. 
it, it's the the best tax effective option, but it also helps with with I suppose discipline in putting money aside and making sure that uh, yeah it's it's put aside and there's and there's some government incentives as a result of that. We'll keep that at the minute at our number one until we can find a winner that's going to trump it. So option one, save as much as possible into a high interest savings account until eventually able to purchase or move. So I think we're going to be doing that anyway, aren't we? We're going to be maximizing our savings, albeit if we if we uh, contribute to the, the super saver scheme, there will be some funds need to be taken from that. But that's still guaranteed funds to be able to go or, or close to guaranteed into uh, that first home deposit. So it's a hybrid of option one anyway. Option two, continue to invest in ETFs and, and save is a mixed approach, right? So again, I would say a reasonably low risk option. There's nothing, it comes back to risk profile. There's no harm in doing that if you can see that you've you've had a track record that's progressed okay without uh, having any negative effects and it's trickling along that's better than just parking your money in the bank. The money over and above the super saver scheme amount, there's no reason why it can't be put there if you're comfortable with it, knowing that it's pretty liquid to be able to take it out when you need, but you just need to be ahead of the game and that's why getting a mortgage broker early rather than later is pretty pretty important because they can say, right, Joel, your purchase price is 500. Depending on your occupation, you might you might be able to get in with a 5% deposit. That's only 25 grand. You get no stamp duty. So 25 grand is actually only six months away, right? So you, you might not be too far from that. If it's 10%, then it might be another six months on top of that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. And that's, that's just it where I think it would be sort of good to know where we're heading in a dollar figure and things where I think, yeah, that's where mortgage broker would be yeah, worth the weight and gold. Yeah. So I would reach out probably in a, in about two months time and just start to have that conversation with them. And, and, uh, there's, as I said, that the good mortgage brokers will have a decent conversation with you anyway, regardless of when they think they're going to win your business. So yeah, that's, um, that, that's yep. definitely at the top of the list. Option three, I would probably discount if that was me or if it was you based on your risk profile is is purely invest all current and future house deposit savings um, is to is to invest when you say invest you're you're going all out into individual stocks, you name it you're just trying to get the best return. Is that fair? Um, I was sort of more so just what we've sort of dabbled in at the moment was just a few sort of EV, uh, ETFs to try and sort of have a bit of diversification there. So if one's not gone great. So that's, I don't think I'd go as far as individual stocks, but that's sort of what I was sort of thinking. But again, preferably when we sort of dive headfirst into doing that for the long term, we want it to be for the long term. So not, not within four or five years. So it wasn't sort of one of the ones that was jumping out to me out of the options. Yeah, it'd probably be down the bottom of the list. But what you might do is, first of all, if it is option four that we go with, which is the first home super saver scheme, work out just an amount. You may have already done this. Out of that 2800 that we are putting away each month, if we go down the scheme route, how much are we now able to save Per month, on as a result of that, do you do you know the answer to that at the minute? I don't off the top of my head. Sorry, no. 
Okay. So that's another one of our action steps is uh, we, we, we're going to speak to a mortgage broker, but we also need to look at our individual situation here and say, right, if we go down the super saver route, how much are we putting aside for that? And as a result of that, what will be the net amount that we can also save on top of that? Because you might find that you, because of those contributions to super, that there might not be a, a massive chunk left at all. And you might be just comfortable just to have that saving in the bank. That's just guaranteed money that's sitting there. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So to, a quick recap for everyone. Option one, save as much into a high interest savings account. Um, look, no problems with that if that would be sort of a term deposit six months into is is that something that you were thinking about was something that i had to cross my mind whether that would be a better option than just sort of sitting it in a savings account but hadn't looked into sort of the ins and outs of it okay so when we and and just having a quick look now if we went into uh best term deposit rates of as of this month uh we're looking at around 5% if we held it there for nine nine months, right? No account setting, no account or set up fees, terms from one month to three years, et cetera, et cetera. I won't mention who, who it's with, but that's roughly what we're looking at is, is sort of uh, around about 5%, okay, which is actually not too bad. But when you think about how much that actually produces us, I don't know if you've got a calculator there, but if you say... $5,000 times by 5%, what's our answer? Yeah, 250 bucks. <laughs> so you've earned yourself $250 over maybe if the minimum's nine months over that period. When you work that out per month or, or per week, like people, if they just tightened their, their, their belt a little bit more, could probably save that amount anyway, right? So yeah, look, I'm not too fussed on the whole term deposit thing, but it's, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's your call on that one. I, I think I'm, I'm leading more towards option four than I am option one, two, or three. Uh, I just think there's more variables or things out of your control for little gain with that sort of money, as opposed to something that's a little bit more guaranteed in, in your situation. And where we've got it parked, our savings account at the moment, it's sort of making five, 5.5 as is. So I don't think it'd be worth the, the headaches. Yeah. Yeah. And just, uh, just keep it easy. Yeah. So I think, uh, I, I think the action steps definitely is to just see how much you're left with after you contribute to super and, and get that scheme rolling and, and just understand the rules and regs and just make sure that you don't go belly up with that, uh, with that uh, order of process. Yeah, yep. But let's look at the purchase in Gimpy, right, if it is Gimpy. Now, there may be some research required by yourselves to, to – Obviously, you know the area. You grew up there. You got family and friends there, etc. So you may even know real estate agents and and uh, and all the building and pest inspectors and everything else going on. But understanding the price point that you're likely to come in at right now, that the variable that's out of your control at the minute is the whole uh, 500k is what the price is now. What's it going to be like in five years' time? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
People might be listening in saying, well, why doesn't Joel, as soon as he's ready, go and buy that property in Gympie as soon as he's got the deposit and as soon as the bank will lend him money, right? So what occupations are you both in? Uh, So my wife is a registered nurse and a midwife, um, currently working in a public hospital down here, and I am a claims officer, so employment services in the back end of that sort of thing. Okay. So first thing to the mortgage broker, are either of these occupations eligible for any incentives, i.e. 10% no LMI or 15% no LMI, et cetera, et cetera, which allows us to potentially get into the market sooner without that LMI cost. Ideally, when we're buying our owner-occupier home, we want to go in with a 20% deposit to avoid that lender's mortgage insurance and have less running costs in on our mortgage, uh, which conceptually we, we say or I say is bad debt in our life because it's non-income uh, it's non-tax deductible because it's not income producing. So if the answer to that is no, we can't claim any of those incentives, 20% of the purchase price is 100000 Now, when we go through the super saver scheme, do we get any concessions in respect to going in with a lower deposit? Um, good question. I hadn't actually looked into that. I did have a look and I did see a few things pop up for medical health professionals exception. So that was one thing that was I was meaning to ask. There was a few things that popped up at 5% for medical professionals, but there were sort of ins and outs such as you need to be working like the equivalent of full-time hours if you're a nurse instead of like 0.6 and things like that. So definitely something to sort of have a okay. look at. So, yeah, look, I don't believe there's any uh, concessions in terms of deposits, no LMI, et cetera, by going through the super saver scheme. However, with Naomi as a nurse, the again, question to the mortgage broker, can we get some LMI waived? That would mean going through that particular lender that offers that, but it, it definitely may be a consideration for you. So check that out. The fact that she's not full-time might be the trigger there, but in any case, you can only ask the question. You don't want to look back and say, well, hell, I didn't know that. I should have asked that question. So let's say that there's no concessions. Uh, we, we we have to pay the LMI and we want to have a 20% deposit. So we're going to avoid stamp duty at this stage, but we need 100K. We want to look at our savings amount and times that or divide the 100K by 2,800. So if we went and got a calculator, and and you can do it while we're chatting, Joel, divide 100,000 by 2.8 or 2,800, how many months have we got? Uh, 35.7. 35.7 months. So let's call it three years. Um, The fact is we've already got two. 10 grand. So there's about three months that we've already catered for. So we're down to about 32 months, right? So in three years, we're going to have a deposit of 20% on a 500K property in Gympie. Now, what's the obvious thing that is out of our control that may be the case in three years' time? Uh, Property prices have gone up. Correct. Property price has gone up and let's say it's gone to 600,000 by then. Right, so it might have shot to six hundred thousand. That means, from a deposit point of view, we need to actually get ourselves that ten grand extra, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Now, 
Also, what happens as a result of that is we go over the threshold for stamp duty concessions in Queensland. And we don't know that those stamp duty concessions will still be there. Only as late as yesterday, there was talk about abolishing all of that because it's worked and hasn't worked and it's varied in each state. So in any case, who knows what's going to happen in three years. But at the moment, it means an extra 15 grand you'd be paying in stamp duty if you were to purchase something at 600. At 500k, you wouldn't be paying any other than the, the transfer amount of like 1,460 or something or whatever it is. So just taking those variables into account, okay? So what I'd be doing, and and obviously I haven't got time for it today, but what I would be doing as an action step is looking at what am I saving as a result of the super contributions and the stamp duty and all that and, and just saying, if I go and buy my house in Gympie, which is really option seven, it's going and buying the house in, in Gympie with no first homeowner concessions because I won't be living in it because I, I'm not ready to move back there now. The, the opportunity cost of, well, if Gympie goes up, I take advantage of the growth versus the savings that I would be saving on that 500K purchase with um, stamp duty concessions as well as the super contributions. Yeah, yeah, okay, yep. Because I've talked to a lot of people in the last three years and a lot of people are thinking I'm going to buy purely because of first homeowner concessions, which wavers their thinking from actually what's logical and what's going to be the best asset for me in in the time of my life but also for long-term wealth creation and flexibility. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I don't want to just sort of take it because it's there and sort of base it around that. That's sort of why we are sort of looking at the way up the options of, look, it, although that's, yes, a great incentive, long-term, does that equate to be the most logical sort of step, I guess? Yeah, that's right. And and I would argue that if we bought in at 500K as an investment right now, in five years' time, that could be, could be 600K, but not guaranteed which would be more growth than any savings that you would have on stamp duty, first home super scheme, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. One other thing just sort of to throw a spanner in the works as well is my parents have always offered to sort of go guarantor, but I sort of put that on the back burner for now just because they've already helped us out as in down here, moving down here, purchasing a place, and then I know their long-term plan is to sort of get back up that way as well. So I don't want to make any sort of throw a spanner in the works for them to be able to just, all right, we're going to sell and move and things like that. So that's, that is another sort of, I guess, option. Sure. Now, with the parental guarantor, do you, do you have to pay principal and interest and is that going to be a burden if you do on your cash flow? Uh, good question. I hadn't sort of even considered it at this stage just because I was looking at the avenues to sort of try and avoid going that route. But if it sort of was doable, it is an option, I guess. So that would be something we'd have to sort of look at, have a look at our cash flow and sort of see how much it would impact that. Okay. So now we've got option eight. We've got option eight, parental guarantor, um, buying the home to purchasing Gympie with a parental guarantor, which means we can put some of our cash in sooner rather than later, uh, but essentially the rest is well, up to 80% is covered by the, uh, the, the parent's asset, basically the, the, 
the bank's taking control over that asset for that portion of 80% up to 95, for example. If you put in 5% deposit, the bank's covering that 15% with the, the value of the asset of the parent's home. But you do need to pay principal and interest and, and just check with each lender. Some, some require you to live in the property, but a lot won't. So just take that into account as well. So we've got a bit of uh, research to be, to be doing here. Right. We, we want to get in contact with a mortgage broker in the next um, couple of months, as I mentioned. We want to be checking out the Super Saver Scheme in more detail. We want to be exploring the PG, the Parental Guarantor. Now, I know that you don't want to take advantage of that because you don't want to be seen as impacting or, or putting a burden on parents in this situation uh, because they're, they're already, in your eyes, doing enough for you, which is, which is fantastic. But I, as long as you're paying the mortgage each month, it's pretty low risk in my eyes. So I I don't have a problem with someone doing it as long as everyone's on the same page and they know the, the pros and cons of it all because it allows you to get into that market sooner, right? Now, there's been a lot of toing and froing with so many options here today, right? And, and you started with six and we've just created two more options, right? What am I doing in this situation is often what I ask my myself and and uh, and and not that my option or what I would do is is going to be what you should do, but it it's it's just from my experience, what would I do across this situation? I would actually look seriously at option eight. I would look at the PG and and if we're comfortable with that, that would actually be my preferred option, which would actually mean foregoing the first homeowner concessions. Right, it would be foregoing the stamp duty and and there wouldn't be any super saver scheme going on, uh, you would just simply use the parental guarantor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, like you say, being able to get into the market sooner, it does, it does make sense. And so like you say, so long as everyone's on the same board and it's all, everything's up from, from the beginning, I do see the pros. I was just sort of, yeah, I don't know, my, my own gut feeling of, look, they, they've moved heaven and earth already. And uh, I know they think we're silly for even mentioning it, but don't want to look like we're sort of taking advantage on that front. And I know they wouldn't look like that. They've always offered both hands out. So definitely might be worth a conversation and some research. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and I think it's like if it doesn't come to anything, then we're back to the drawing board and, and potentially we just assess it in 12 months and say, well, how much savings have we got? Because this, by the sounds of it, to get that 20% is going to be a two to three year journey unless uh, we have some sort of windfall. So I'd rather you get into the market sooner, uh, no emotion attached to the first homeowner concessions, uh, rent it out, but ensure that it is a property that you would move into and that you would be comfortable living in when you do move back there in five years' time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, food, definitely food for thought. <laughs> Absolutely food for thought. So, yeah, that, that would be my preference. Um, I, I think there's hybrid versions of a few of these options, but we, we're looking – I always look at well, what's in my control and what's out of my control. If I can get something done now, I've guaranteed myself any market growth, right? Now, if the market retracts, then live by the sword, die by the sword. But generally over time, markets head north, not south. So if in five years' time 
I'd be extremely surprised if the median house price had gone down, not up, especially in that part of the country. Uh, so the earlier we can get exposure to that and and leveraging the bank's money to to get that result, I think the be- the better off would be long term. But we're not choosing high risk options in order to get those funds quicker. Yeah. Yep. No, definitely. And like you say, in a, in a couple of months time, when we're down that road, that little bit further, I think engaging that mortgage broker and sort of having those conversations between, like you've said, and once we've had conversations with, with my wife and my parents, and we know where we sort of see it. Definitely. If we can get in sooner yeah. rather than later, then yeah, definitely happy days. And, and I think the other part of it is too, you're looking at potentially having a second child, maybe even a third, I don't know. What do we need through those times? Well, you, you mentioned that your your wife being a nurse has the ability for a pretty attractive maternity leave and you've got your parents' support for their looking after the kids, et cetera. Uh, however, we need to stay cash heavy, don't we? So that where the PG works, the parental guarantee, where that works well is you can put as little of of your own money in as possible and save the remainder, have it sitting in an offset account potentially, but it's there for a rainy day. It's there to help with any medical expenses. It's there to help with uh, the upbringing of the second child and and just general lifestyle. Um, I mean, you guys have probably been put through hell in the last couple of years. So giving yourself some funds to go on a holiday. And I know you've already got a holiday account, but but just keeping yourself really liquid with funds through this next five-year period, you don't want to put it all on the line and, and have nothing left over for enjoyment. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's that's a big thing. And sort of put things into perspective. So we don't want sort of everything to stop while we just bunker down and save, save, save. So it is definitely sort of a bit of a, a balancing act. But um, yeah. No, no, that's that's great. It's, it's it's definitely narrowed down. I guess everything I sort of put from brain to paper, and it's it's helped a lot. It's so yeah, it might be time for a few conversations. <laughs> yeah, and and normally, like we we don't solve the world's issues in in an hour like this. So it's normally some takeaway action steps, and and that leads us closer to to the answer. But the important thing from today, Joel, is that we've got pros and cons for all of those options and they're there on the table, put a line down the page and say, which one are we most comfortable with? And then away we go. Yeah, definitely. No, that's that's been great. And just to have the sort of the sounding board and to, like you say, narrow down the options and the pros and cons has been, I think, exactly what I was hoping to get out of it. So much appreciated, John. Thank you. Cool, mate. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for reaching out. Yeah, good luck on the journey. It's, um, yeah, as I said, you've been put through the ringer in the last few years and, and parenting's hard enough without complications. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've uh, you've grown in character as a result of that. But what uh, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. But, um, yeah, I'm, uh, good, good luck with the journey, um, your daughter's condition. And, uh, yeah, if there's anything else that you need, please sing out. All right, no. That's, that's great. I appreciate it, John. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, keep up the good word. I, I love, I always tune into the podcast and stuff. It's great. It's much appreciated. Cool, mate. Thanks for the endorsements. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Hope uh, you found something beneficial from that. As I said, if you if you if anyone wants to reach out and grab a clarity call, it's in the show notes. I'm John Pigeon, and you've been listening to My Millennial Property.
We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Money Professional, My Millennial Career, My Millennial Money, My Millennial Daily, and Retire Right. Find these wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of money. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Shepard, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.